Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Radical Polymers. Nation, running a water treatment business is hard. Dealing with your suppliers shouldn't be. And when I deal with the fine folks over at Radical Polymers, I have always felt like I have had a partner. They test things in the environment that we are going to use their products. They also make sure that if I have any questions that I get the answer that I am looking for. Mike and the fine folks over at Radical Polymers answer the phones. Folks, when was the last time you actually talked with somebody when you had a technical support question? Well, they make your issues their issues and they get right down to the problem. They offer best-in-class technologies with the first-class support that I just mentioned. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash radical to find out more. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And folks, I'm just so happy to be with you today. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for all the people that give me feedback on a regular basis about this show. By the way, if you have something to tell me about the podcast, whether it's a question you want me to answer, a guest you want to interview, or just something you want me to do, by all means, do not keep that to yourself. You can go to scalinguph2o.com, find your way to our show ideas page, and you can tell me anything you want in that section. Now, do you have a question for me? A great way to ask a question is when you go on our homepage, a button will pop up over on the right-hand side that says leave voicemail. You click on that. You can use whatever device you are using to use that microphone to record your own voice, and I can use that voice to ask that question as we get it answered. So many people have done that. I love it when you do that, so please keep that up. Nation, something else I want to make sure that you are keeping up is with James's challenge. Folks, I love the fact that we're all coming together and we're doing these challenges. Just think, 52 things that we do at the end of the year, how much better we're going to be. What a better vantage point we're going to have as an industrial water treater as we're getting there. And the thing I love most about it is that we are sharing these items on social media so we can, I don't say challenge each other, but that's the whole point of it. It's James's challenge. We can see how other people are doing it and maybe we want to refine what we did. So here is another James's challenge. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. It's time for another James's Challenge to help you grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop. Today's James's Challenge is... Draw a process flow diagram for your customers. Complete with feed points, water meters, blowdown, pretreatment, boilers, cooling towers, chillers, etc. A hand-drawn diagram can be just fine if needed. It's amazing what you may find out once all the bits and pieces are seen together and in their real order. You may find your feeding chemical products in the wrong area. You may find a makeup source you knew nothing about or a water loss that's been plaguing the system for years. 
Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Are you keeping up with James's challenge? Well, you can always go back and do the challenges if you are not. Now, last week, I talked about the Seinfeld chain. That was where Jerry Seinfeld said he wants to write jokes each and every day. So he had plenty of material to create the career that obviously he had. But it all started with him writing that first joke. A lot of us think of a goal is that we want to achieve what Jerry Seinfeld achieved, and we look at him now. But what we should be doing is looking at what he did on that very first day and how he kept that up. And what he did is each and every day he wrote jokes, he put an X on a calendar, and his goal was not to break the chain. So I want to ask you, how are you doing on the James's challenge, not breaking the chain? You can always go back and catch up, but once you do, each and every week, I think it's a great discipline to keep yourself in. And let's face it, we're going to have 52 things that we are going to be better about. Well, Nation, on one of my earlier episodes, it was episode 47. Now, my friend, uh, I didn't know him at the time. I read some of his posts on LinkedIn. Jim Loria, the water guy, uh, he writes about water. I think he has water in his veins. He's actually replaced his blood with water. He loves water so much. Uh, just a, a really, really neat guy. And uh, he's, he's just all things water. And also a great guy to talk to, a great podcast guest. Well, uh, he has teamed up with another gentleman, Adam Tank. And Jim and Adam have come on the show again, and they're going to be talking about what is going on with them. So, folks, I hope you enjoy my interviews with Jim Loria and Adam Tank. Scout Up Nation, I don't just have one lab partner today. I have two Returning guest, Jim Loria and Adam Tank. How are you guys? Hey, great, Trace. Good to be back. Doing great, Trace. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. Jim, when was the last time we had you on? I think uh, October 2018. We had a lot of good conversations about Leonardo da Vinci, mind mapping, uh, all kinds of good uh, discussions. Oh, it was a great episode and uh, glad to have you back. And Adam, welcome to the show. I guess what Jim told you about being on last time didn't scare you off. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. We'll see how this one goes. We will see how it goes. Well, guys, I'm really excited about this interview. Before we get started, uh, do each of you mind uh, sharing a little about yourself with the Scaling Up Nation? Yeah, sure. So, so I'm VP of Sales and Marketing for Maisie Injector. We're a company that designs and manufactures mixing and contacting equipment for a wide range of water and wastewater treatment applications. Uh, I received my chemical engineering degree uh, from Manhattan College and uh, initially uh, came into the workforce uh, in a lot of different process industries, 
and uh, pretty much been dedicated to water treatment for the last 20 years, uh, traveling around the world, benchmarking the best global water management practices. And from a personal standpoint, I live in San Francisco with my wife. Uh, her name is Lori Loria, if you can believe that. And I tell everybody she fills my life with love, laughter, and alliteration. <laughs> they're, a, they're a dynamic duo. I know both Jim and Lori really well and, and love them dearly. We'll talk about how we met here in a little bit. But for everyone listening, Adam Tank, I've been in the water industry now for just about 10 years and started my career as a microbiologist and quality engineer in the CPG world, so sp specifically food and beverage. I sort of stumbled into a professional career in water working for GE Water. I led their venture investment strategy in, in software startups. And then most recently, now serve as the director of software solutions for a water startup that's focused on automating the preliminary design of water treatment assets. In this case, it would be water and wastewater treatment facilities. So a process that typically takes hundreds or thousands of hours from a variety of different engineering teams can now be done in about five to 10 hours utilizing software. And the goal of that is to free up our smart engineers and people in the water industry to look at innovative technologies, to do assessments on companies like Mazzy, whereas they couldn't because they're spending time today creating PNIDs, you know, uh, revising Word documents, all those types of things. So I bring, bring innovation to the sector is a really big goal of mine. I live in Kansas City, have a wife, a fur child. His name is Trig. Hopefully he doesn't bark too much during this podcast and looking forward to getting started. Well, awesome. Thank you both for joining us. Obviously, you guys have had great careers, but then you met and you decided you wanted to team up. Why did you do that? Yeah, so it's interesting, uh, Trace. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, it, the story is is a good story. And, uh, you know, we, we, we title our uh, uh, podcast together as Two Water Geeks, talk about talking about water. And uh, we, we really want to tell water's story. And we, we met at a conference uh, that uh, we were both speaking separately about water. And we both uh, attended each presentation. And uh, we happened to be leaving at the same time. And Adam had called an Uber. We got in a Uber together. We started chatting. We found out that we were on the same flight to San Francisco together. Uh, we traveled to San Francisco, found out that he was working about a mile from my house. His uh, fiance at the time uh, lived about two blocks away from where Lori and I lived. And uh, we started getting together for lunch every couple of weeks uh, and talked about water at the taco truck, at the sushi restaurant, at the Thai place, at the ramen shop. And uh, we just had a, a passion about water. And uh, despite our three decades uh, uh, in, in difference in age, we, we had a similarity in the way we like to, to tell stories. And uh, I'll let Adam tell it, fill in a little bit more of that. I guess it was sort of match made in heaven for two you know, geeks that like talking about water. So when we first met, we, we both were impressed with what each other had to say as far as the water industry goes. And then we, a series of conversations later, found out we're both posting on LinkedIn. We're both writing blogs. We're both interested in becoming, you know, published authors. And it's all around this idea that water is a fundamental need for everybody on earth. And we have to share our story because it's underappreciated, it's undervalued, and people just don't think about it. You don't think about when you turn on your tap that there are, you know, real people behind the scenes 24-7 who are making that happen. 
And so we both feel passionate about helping people in our industry tell their stories and tell the story of water. And we, we go about it in different ways, which I'm excited to get into. So sort of our running joke is that it's old school versus new school, as Jim alluded to. He has multiple decades in industry, quote unquote, old school. I'm about a decade in, quote unquote, new school. But we have a lot more similarity in common than we do differences. And my comedy coach said that uh, it's, a, it's a great partnership for me to work with Adam because anybody with the name like Tank, it's a good bet that his arguments will always hold water. <laughs> and there you go. He's here all week, folks. Try the fish. Well, speaking of fish, I'm curious, were the conversations different at the taco truck versus the sushi restaurant? What did you guys talk about there? <laughs> Yeah, just uh, just things in general, what was going on, trends. I mean, that's the big thing that we look at, Trace, is what, what are the trends? And uh, uh, we, we try and build upon those trends in the industry to understand solutions around what Adam's company has to offer, what my company has to offer. And, and that's kind of where it starts. And, and um, that, that's kind of where our writing begins, at least, you know, for my long form blog posts and, uh, and articles, I try and start there because I think that's where people are interested in finding out. They're not so much interested in specifically what Maisie has to offer, unless they are, of course. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I like to tell the stories of, of water from a, you know, more general, general aspect. A lot of the conversations that we had, you know, as I'm thinking back on it, at the time I was running a, a water-related robotics startup in San Francisco. And Jim served as a mentor to me because of his diverse background in water. And so we talked about things like, you know, who to hire in the water industry and, and how to sell to water utilities and what the real value of water is and how you can price that in terms of your product. And so the, the conversations were, were pretty diverse. But like Jim said, what we always sort of came back to was when you tell your story on water, the goal is not to pitch your, yourself, your product, you know, your you, be you focused. The goal is to be focused on the value of water for everybody. It's a global good that ultimately is critical for life on earth. And so if you can always tie the strings to that overarching mission of just how important water is, people will listen. I know you guys both advocate for water and the water industry. Can you share with the Scaling Up Nation a few things that you're currently doing to do that? Sure, Trey. So one of the things that I found was I, I like to write articles and long form blog posts. And one of the platforms that um, I really found works for me, besides LinkedIn, and, and we'll talk about that in more detail, but Water Online is a really, has been a really good platform for me. And uh, I've been uh, writing on that platform for I don't know how many years, maybe 10 years. And it's really gotten the word out about me, about my products, but specifically, as I talked about before, the trends in the industry. I like to focus on where things are headed and some of the problems and some of the solutions. The other thing I would say is, uh, you know, as, as, as both Adam and I do on a regular basis is speak at conferences and get the word out that way. I'm really pleased to hear, you know, Adam, consider me a mentor. Um, one of the good things about being a mentor for somebody is I've probably learned more from Adam than he's learned from me. So uh, it's a, it's a two-way street when you do work with younger, 
water professionals. And then the other thing that uh, I've been doing lately is serving on uh, trade association board of directors. I know, uh, Trace, you're very active in the Association of Water Technologists. You always speak about how uh, rewarding that is and how much you get out of it. And I feel the same way. I'm on the board of directors of the California Agricultural Irrigation Association. I'm on the executive operating committee of the International Ozone Association. And so these are the things that outside of what I do every day for Maisie to to make sure we're we're selling the products and services we need is to, you know, get back to the industry. So Jim and I find... A, new, a sort of a neutral battleground in terms of likes, comments, views, shares on LinkedIn. And I think we'll go a little more in depth on how we utilize that platform and how we want other water professionals to utilize that platform as well. But one of the things I like to do is is come up with creative content that's that's been proven to be shareable, viral on other platforms, bring it to LinkedIn, and then either create a water story around it or just share a fact about water or share a fact about business that people can engage with. And by nature of doing that, people will naturally gravitate towards your profile. They'll see what you're up to. And if they like your product or service, they'll contact you. So it's not meant to be a lead generation tool. It's just meant to be a, a general awareness of, of getting people you know, engaged with fun content on LinkedIn. I'm also quite active on Twitter and have a following there. And there are a number of other Twitter water friends that we often like, share, retweet, you know, comment on each other's content. And then I also serve on a number of boards as well. So Imagine H2O, I've been a judge for that program, which is an early stage water innovation program based out of San Francisco. Just recently accepted a role on the board of advisors for uh, a water startup called 120 Water, who's doing a great job in the industry bringing software to water utilities that desperately need it. And then, and then I'm also starting to write, where, where Jim and I differ a bit, is that I'm starting to write more personal content on a personal blog. So long-form content about my career, not necessarily water-specific, but again, content that draws people in and that will naturally stumble across the work that we're doing in water and maybe will spark an interest in, in being part of our sector. You both mentioned content. And I'm sure we have some listeners out there that know they want to put something out there, but they don't quite know how to get started. So maybe we can talk a little bit about your story. How did you get started and why do you continue? So a couple of things, Trace. I I, I look at myself as almost being a, a journalist. As my friends in Queens call me, hey, Jim, you're a water reporter. And, uh, you know, you got to have that accent. So the idea is to look for good stories. And, and, and find articles and, and books. I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of books on water now out, out in the marketplace. Look at webinars. And so you're, you're collecting. You're almost a collector of information. And then kind of resorting that and looking at it from different angles that, you know, tie to some of the solutions that your company brings, uh, ties to some of the things that uh, you're interested in. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Adam mentioned and what I've learned from him is it doesn't always have to be about water. You want those weaker connections where people aren't just focused on water, but you can kind of bring them in with some non-water related stories. And then they get to see some of the other things that that you're writing about. And I've started doing that. I followed Adam's lead and uh, I posted a few items on uh, on LinkedIn that got some traction with people 
that I didn't have a relationship with around water, but now they've started asking me questions about water. I think, Trace, when when people hear the word content, it's a scary word if you're not in industry or used to producing what we call content. But don't let it scare you because content can be as simple as a photo. You could, if you have a smartphone, which almost everyone does, you can record yourself. You can type a sentence about something you've learned. You know, a lot of people do this in their personal lives on a regular basis. They're using Facebook is a great example. They might post a picture of their grandkids or, you know, a, a, a short little sentence or two about what they're up to that day. That's content. Don't let it scare you away from being active. When I first got my start, it was on LinkedIn and I was working for GE Water and I was part of a conference where a speaker really wowed me with what he had to say. And I ended up speaking with him after the conference and I, I wanted to write about that experience because I thought other people would find it compelling. So I just wrote about the experience. It wasn't about water, but it, I was working for GE at the time. I alluded to the fact that I was working for GE and I said, you know, I, I loved what this guy had to say. Here's what he said. I'm putting it out in the world. What do other people think about this? And I think, you know, to date it had 14,000 views or something as my first piece of content on LinkedIn. And I was shocked. And what I found is that it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you put content out there, you are looking for engagement. And when someone engages, if they like, share, retweet, comment, send you a personal note, whatever it might be, that you want more of that. And so it encourages you to post more and more often. And it's a great I guess we'll call it self-sustaining feedback loop, where as you post content, you get feedback. You want more feedback, so you post more content. Well, you are both out there posting content, but you have different approaches in the way that you do that. Can you speak on that? Sure. So um, as we talked about, uh, I have a, usually writing articles and, and, and blog posts, kind of long form. But also I found, uh, and, and you know, I, I took this a bit from Adam, who was doing shorter content, shorter posts. So just last year, what I did was every day for 500 days, over 500 days in a row, I found a water quote that I posted. And uh, I, I quoted from songs, I quoted humor, I quoted from uh, Leonardo da Vinci, anybody, Plato, anybody I can find. And it, it got a real good following. And then those people started following some of the longer form articles and blog posts that I, I posted on LinkedIn. So it, it, it was a quite a good uh, experience. I've now got all those quotes on my website, jimlauria.com. So you can go there and see. I, I don't think I posted them all, but I've got like 250, 300 of the quotes that I had over the last year and a half. So Jim and I differ on LinkedIn specifically around this idea that I'm finding content that has been utilized on other platforms. I really love Reddit as an example. and repurpose that content for LinkedIn. So what I see Jim doing more often is posting water-related content, but it's very unique and very creative. So it's not just, hey, here's what Mazzy does. You know, our injector nozzles are great and everyone should use them. It's a water quote a day for 500 days. And people naturally want to follow Jim because they look forward to receiving the quotes or they look forward to his humor or they look forward to some very detailed long-form content. I'm usually finding things like photos, videos, GIFs, that more often than not have nothing to do with water, but that create a, a, an ecosystem for people wanting to engage. 
And then they naturally sort of find out, oh, this guy's in water. You know, if I have water-related questions, I know to go to Adam and talk about it. The other thing I've been doing is I, I've, I have a personal website set up. So like Jim, I've got a, a website, adamtank.com. And it's a collection of stories that I've learned or tips and tricks that I've learned about career and business as a whole. I mean, an example would be I, I lived in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil earlier in my career and, and learning Portuguese was a challenge. So I share some embarrassing stories about that. And you would be shocked at the number of people who have come across a post like that and have said, hey, I, you know, I loved your post. I loved, what you, I loved what you had to say, but I'm really interested in water. Like, what do you think about you know, desalination, the future of desal around the world? Or what do you, I read your water predictions article on LinkedIn. Like, what do you think about you know, X, Y, or Z? And it's a, it's a, you'd be fascinated, Trace, that as you post unique content, people will come out of the woodwork from all over the internet. People you never would have met in the quote-unquote real world that want to engage with you, that want to talk to you, that want to have conversations with you. Yeah, a, a specific uh, example of that is it's a really interesting story. So uh, last year when Adam was the judge at the Imagine H2O uh, uh, session here in San Francisco, I went to the closing night party and they had a number of different entrants that uh, were showing their technologies, uh, startup companies. And I went around and I talked to a few people and I was introduced to a gentleman. We exchanged cards. I linked to him. I, I looked at his technology. I linked up with him on LinkedIn. And uh, just uh, the other day, he started following some of the uh, writings uh, that I've been posting, uh, some of the articles, some of the quotes. And he's the CEO of the startup. And he, he came to me just yesterday and he said, hey, Jim, I think we can use your technology. We've got this startup. We're trying to put air into our system. And uh, I was looking at some of the technology that Maisie uh, offers, and I think we can use it. And um, my uh, technical manager has got a conversation going on with him today. So it, just by posting, by connecting, you never know how that can lead to some direct sales. And not that you got any business off of me, but you and I met off of LinkedIn. Exactly, exactly. And and look, I mean, this is for us, for, for me, for Adam, it's a great platform to tell our story about telling stories about water. Well, I know you've inspired several people today and they're thinking, okay, I need to start creating content. How do they get started? Don't be scared of posting something that you think is routine or wouldn't be interesting because people outside of the sector or outside of the industry have no clue what happens in water. And I mean, a great example of this would be, you know, the guys and gals who are out in the street repairing a water main break. This happens every day all over the United States, probably hundreds, if not thousands of times a day. Take a picture of it when you're out in the field and post it and say, hey, you know, work, working hard today, you know, working hard, repairing this main break for people, you know, uh, maybe put a little, little something about how many gallons of water flows through that pipe every day or whatever it might be. That in our industry is would be considered boring. Yeah, that's run of the mill. That happens all the time. You know, that's nothing fancy. That's nothing special. But for everyone else, that's not something they see every day. So just start by by cataloging things that you come across every day, things you find exciting, things that you're like, oh, you know what? That might be interesting. Take a picture, write a sentence, put it out in the world, and see what happens. I think you'll be amazed. 
Yeah, start small. I mean, that's that's the that's the key thing. And and share other people's content. You don't have to generate all this content yourself. There's so much out there on water. You know, so share some of Adam's uh, uh, posts, some of my posts. Um, you know, whatever you think could generate interest. Just start. You know, a really good one, Trace, that um, is 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 easier for people to do would be. I, I mean, this is going to sound self promotional for other three of us. But someone could very well summarize this podcast. Take the top 10 lessons they learned from the Trace, Jim, and Adam show and post that on LinkedIn. I wish they would. I, you, I mean, it is incredible how many views, how many eyeballs will see that content. Like if people don't have time to listen to an hour-long podcast, but they can listen to or read a five-minute summary or one-minute summary or one high-level takeaway, they will. And that's a, that's a great way to generate content. Well, you both mentioned LinkedIn, and that's where you do a lot of your work. I know a lot of listeners use LinkedIn. Jim, you and I met through LinkedIn. My question to you, does the average person utilize LinkedIn correctly? So I'm, I'm not sure they do. I think people look at it as a job search tool. You know, the, the, the one thing that I said, and I, I, I gave a presentation at the Water Quality Association meeting several years ago about how to use LinkedIn effectively. And then I wrote a blog post on LinkedIn about it, and it's still there and, and people can go to that. But one of the key things that I want to remind people about it is sometimes they look at it as Facebook. And, and my analysis the difference between Facebook and LinkedIn is LinkedIn is a business lunch compared to Facebook looking at as a backyard barbecue. And if you think of it that way, you're not going to show up uh, to uh, a business lunch with your wife, with your dog, wearing a Tom Brady jersey, a Pittsburgh Steelers cap. You're going to show up differently. And that's what I, I think people need to recognize is that it's different than Facebook and it's more than just a search tool if, if you're out of a job. I would, I would say that people are not using LinkedIn effectively. It's a, it's a hard no for me. And the reason that's the case is because I think people use it very selfishly. So if they're using it for job searching, that's selfish. If they're using it to promote their own products and businesses, that's selfish. If they're using it to talk about themselves, that's selfish. So what people on LinkedIn should be doing is providing value. Share, you know, innovative stories. Jim sharing his water quotes. He's being entertaining. People enjoy listening to that. Maybe they get insight from some of the quotes. You know, share a summary of a podcast. Share a summary of a book. Share something that is valuable to the people that are reading it or viewing it, watching it, hearing it. And that value will be returned eventually. But your first thought, should not be how how can I gain from this? It should be how can others gain from what I'm putting out? Yeah, I'd say some of the do's that I say about uh, LinkedIn Trace is do connect with people. So when I when I go to trade shows, you know, <laughs> they may be a thing of the past, but business cards, I'd collect business cards and then I'd come back and I'd say, nice meeting you at uh, such and such a conference. Uh, I'd like to have the opportunity to connect with you uh, on LinkedIn. And then I'd follow up. If they connected with me, I'd follow up. Thanks for connecting. And I'd send them a, a link to this article about how to use LinkedIn more effectively as a what I call network lanyap. 
And lanyap is something, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Trace, but it's basically something a little extra that a, a, a business gives you for doing business to build a relationship. Like uh, a baker's dozen, you get an extra donut or you buy some plums and they throw in a pear. And so I like to put that in and, and say, let's connect. As Adam said, you know, give them something that you feel might be of benefit. The other thing I, I, I'd say some of the don'ts, don't sell. I mean, the last thing I, I, I like seeing is someone sends you a connection. You say, okay, this person looks like uh, someone um, I'd like to be connected with. And then they send you their brochure on their valves or, or their pumps or whatever it is. And it just, it, it turns me off. And I know it turns most other people off. And then the other thing I'd say is a hard don't is if you're out of a job, don't put on your headline, looking for my next opportunity, need a job. I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. Um, and, uh, you know, provide, as Adam said, provide value. And then people will want to connect and will want to find out more about you and how they can work with you. Well, those are some great tips. And I'm willing to bet that you have some more. So for those of us that are familiar with LinkedIn, but we could do things a little bit better. What are some of your top tips that you can share with the Scaling Up Nation? So, I mean, Jim talked a lot about some the great do's and don'ts. I, at, at the, you know, the one that I always like to reiterate, like he said, don't sell. Don't sell. Provide value and people will come back to you because you're providing value. And then maybe you'll have an opportunity to sell after that. I'd say the other things that, you know, as, as Adam does, curate, curate other people's information. One of the things that I, I would say is uh, it's a great forum to find out what's going on in your industry. A lot of water influences are posting. And one of the things I did when uh, this whole COVID-19 pandemic started was you know, I had to relook at how we were going to do business at Maisie. And so I started looking at what the, what I call, quote, hydroluminaries were saying. Some of the research companies, Bluefield Research, Reese Tisdale and, and his team. What was, uh, what was Global Water Intelligence saying? Uh, uh, Christopher Gasson, Paul O'Callaghan and, and Blue Tech Research. What were they saying? So I, I use it as a, a, a kind of a crowdsourcing information way of finding out what's going on in my industry so I can kind of navigate where I want to take uh, Maisie in, in terms of business development and how to handle these kind of these issues. Jim does a great job of consistent posting the quotes, the long form blogs, the content. Like I said, repurposing content from other platforms. I would look at what's, you know, what's blowing up on Facebook. If you think it's funny or you think it's fun or you think it might be relevant to people that follow you on LinkedIn, take a look at it, download it, find a way to reshare it, find a way to make it water related. You know, and, I, and, and people will enjoy that. And you know, because it's done well in another platform, it'll probably do well on LinkedIn because even though it's a business platform and it's meant for business relationships, these people are still human. They still have families to go home to. You know, at this point, we're all working from home together. So that we have a lot of commonalities. Uh, a lot of times that content works across multiple platforms. So again, don't make it too cumbersome on yourself. Don't make it a burden and feel like you have to write the most perfect post or find the perfect content that you want to put out there. Just put something out there. And if it's worked somewhere else, it's probably going to work on LinkedIn too. I think that's great advice. Jim, you touched on this earlier. 
But I know there's a lot of people out there that will connect with people and they'll just simply find them in a search, hit the connect button, and they don't use any of the other features. How should they be connecting with people on LinkedIn? Yeah, I think uh, just sending a connect is is just the wrong way to go. Uh, you, you should start off with relationship. Hi, I met you at WefTech or I met you at uh, ACE um, and, and I enjoyed talking to you. I'd like to add you as a connection to my network. I mean, that's uh, I've got that on my phone. So uh, and I always look at that kind of thing. Um, I found your webinar very informative uh, that I uh, that I watched today online. I'd like to connect with you. So I think that's the first thing. You you, you can't just say connect, connect, connect. Uh, and, and then the, the the other ones, the opposite side is the ones that try and pitch you immediately. You and I look like we'd make great connections, and I think we could do business together. Um, you know that that's the wrong way to go. And then, as I said, a follow up email after they've connected to to thank them for connecting with you, and and uh, and not try and sell, not say, hey, thanks for connecting. Here's my here's my Val brochure. You know, so um, I think I think those are the things that uh, you really want to look at. And some of the things I do is you you look at who they're connected with. When someone sends you an invitation, you see who else they're connected with. If they're connected to Adam, I immediately say yes. (laughs) 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 No, but, but, you know, that's, that's some of the, you know, some of the things that you go through as trying to find out if this person would be a connection for you. So you're going to get connect, you're going to get connection requests and you're going to go out there and you're going to make connection requests and you know put some effort into it that's 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 what i'd say yeah do your do your research do your research no one likes the the cold connection oh you know please join my professional network or whatever the the, the standard linkedin message says you know there's a reason you want to connect with that person even if it's a selfish reason that should not come should not come out right away and quite frankly shouldn't come out in the first five interactions you have with them like jim's saying there's you know do a quick google search on them what pro, what uh, presentations have they given recently what conferences have they attended maybe they have an active twitter account you might find uh, a really interesting or insightful tweet that they've sent that you can mention in that linkedin invite request make it personal make it professional make it uh, make make sure that they know that you've done your research so that they get excited about connecting to you. What advice do you all have on properly tagging the content we're creating? Well, I'll give that over to Adam because he's an expert at that. And uh, <laughs> I, learned, I learned a lot from Adam as far as that. So, so Adam, go ahead. Because yeah, so uh, I'm following what he says. If it's LinkedIn specific, and really for many social platforms for that matter, their goal is to maximize the time that you as a user spend on their site. They don't want you going to another website. They don't want you closing out the browser tab. You know, they don't want you getting distracted and doing something else. They make money by advertising dollars. The more time you spend on their site, the more advertisements they can show you, the more money they're going to make. So the key in tagging people be it people themselves, hashtags, or even other articles you might be mentioning or, or URLs that you need to put in your post, is to, if it's going to be outbound link, if it's going to be something that's taking people off the LinkedIn platform, don't put it in the main post itself. Put it in the comment section. 
so you can allude to it. So if I'm posting to this podcast, which I will do, I will say, hey, everyone, check out this great podcast that, you know, I'll tag Jim, I'll tag you, Trace, that we did. I'll give a, a quick summary about what it is. And then I'll say, you know, full link to the podcast in the comments below. The first comment is going to be a link directly to this podcast. If you don't do that, LinkedIn will effectively bury that post in the feed and they will not allow it to reach as many people as you would like. So that would be my first big tip. The second one is that if you use LinkedIn quite a bit, you'll notice a lot of posts will be cut off about two sentences into the top part of the post and you have to click see more to read the rest. You want to make those two sentences ultra compelling so people want to see more, they want to read, they want to engage. When they click see more, you have a little more detail, but then below all of that is where you can just tag a whole slew of people that you think would be interested in this content and that you want uh, to know that you have tagged. And when you, when you tag those people, if I tag you, Jim, I tag you, Trace, what's going to happen is every time that post gets a like, a comment, a share, you're going to get a notification about it. So it's going to keep coming up in your mind. It's going to keep coming up in the minds of people on LinkedIn, and uh, it's going to boost the, boost the viral aspect of that post. Yeah, the other thing I would do, and and I, I try and do quite a bit, is come up with like a provocative title or an interesting title, something that really is compelling. Because as Adam said, um, you, you typically only have a, a little bit of time between the title and the couple of words that, that are there that uh, you can really get someone interested. So that's one of the tips. When I do blog posts, I spend a lot of time thinking, okay, what are people interested in seeing and how can I make this an attention grabber as a title? So that's, that's another tip I would say. What's the one thing you want listeners to get from today's interview? I would say tell stories, tell good stories. And, uh, you know, from listeners, I mean, we're, we're talking water, really tell those stories and, and really get people engaged about the value of water. That's, I think, uh, what Adam and I have, have typically tried to, to do in, in how we write our stories, how we tell our stories, and, uh, and, and why we're, we're on this podcast with you, Trace. I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal we have. I would say that if you are a professional in the water sector, you have an obligation to talk about what we do. And one piece of advice is just start. Start somewhere. Don't worry about crafting the perfect story. Don't worry about crafting the perfect post. Don't worry about posting the perfect photo. Just post something. Just get it out there. You have to start somewhere. And I guarantee you, you know, even for me, I'd say seven, eight out of 10 times, the post might bomb. It's slowly getting better and it has over the years, but nothing's ever going to be perfect. And you just have to do what you can with what you have. So don't be scared. Post something, post a piece of content and see how it goes. If you're worried about it, contact Jim or I and we'll, we'll get you over the hump. There you go. Well, this has been a great conversation. I do have some lightning round questions for you if you guys will stick around a little bit longer. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. All right. Now, I just realized, Jim, I've already asked you my regular round of lightning round questions. So I have three new ones. Okay. So my first one for each of you, what's your superpower? <laughs> Oh, my superpower is mind mapping. And and you and I had quite a good conversation about this the we last did. time, Trace. And it's kind of where I start with everything. Uh, 
Adam will get a kick out of this. As soon as we started talking about doing a podcast, uh, the next thing you know, he had in his inbox a mind map about you know who we were going to approach, how we were going to do this, and and build upon it, and where we were going to take it. So I, I would say uh, mind mapping is, is my superpower. I would say for me, active listening. I can have a conversation with someone for twenty minutes. You know, they'll talk for nineteen and a half of it. And they'll be like, wait a second, you didn't tell me anything about yourself. And it's not because I'm proud of that. It's just because I'm genuinely interested in what people have to say. So I would say my superpower is making feel comfortable enough to share uh, whatever it is that is on their mind and that I can actively listen to it and, and, and feel like I can empathize with that. Well, number two is you now have a magic wand and you can change anything in the world. What would you change? Well, well, I mean, I would change people's view of water. People think it should be free. And obviously, it's something that uh, is out there, but it costs money to extract it from the ground uh, or from a lake. It costs money to treat. It costs money to distribute. So I think we have to look at it as, as a friend of mine says, it, you know, it's a resource. It's not a free source. It's a we source. And, and that, that is something that we have to look. It's a shared common good, but we have to recognize that it costs money to, to, uh, to, to get it to people in the form that we need it in. I would change early childhood education. I would bring a lot more money into it. Uh, just overall as a whole, I would increase teacher salaries. I would increase the amount of resources available to these kids. And of course, I would throw some water-related curriculum in there too. <laughs> but I believe <laughs> that we can, we can change the future by just starting with you know one generation of children or two generations of children. And so I would, I would just make it so that those kids had experiences, educational experiences beyond what they've ever had before. Final question, what would you say your biggest accomplishment has been? Biggest accomplishment. I would say that throughout my career, I've tried to impart this on everybody and on myself. And, and my motto has been, and, and it's served me very well, never underestimate your ability to influence other people. And I try and do that in, in the work I do with water and, and any other things I, I try and do. I, I, I want people to understand that what you do and what you say has a, a, an influence and don't underestimate that influence. I would say that I've been proud of, of my lack of fear in embracing change. So I mentioned earlier in my career, I moved to Brazil, didn't speak the language, uh, you know, wasn't scared of, of selling all my belongings, packing two suitcases, and then going and moving there for a new job. I came back to the U.S. I wasn't scared of going to graduate school. I, when I graduated from graduate school, I wasn't scared of going into venture capital and GE, which is not something I had traditionally done before. You know, going and running a robotics startup, not being scared of just taking the plunge and doing that. That's what I would say is my biggest accomplishment is just not being afraid to embrace change. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for coming on Scaling Up H2O. Uh, great conversation, lots of great tips. So uh, thanks for spending the, the last 45 minutes with me. Thank you, Trace. Our pleasure, Trace. It's been really enjoyable. 
Thanks again, Jim and Adam. Nation, uh, just, just it's always fun to talk about water, right? What a great topic. There, there couldn't be a better topic out there. We would not have the job that we have had it not been out there. Uh, our planet would definitely be a lot different if we didn't have water out there. So just a, a great topic. Hey, speaking of Jim and Adam, they're actually starting a podcast. So a little shout out to them. Their podcast is called Water We Talking About. And you can just hear Jim with his accent saying that. So Water We Talking About. You can find that anywhere podcasts are found, anywhere you choose to listen to your podcast. And I wish them the best of luck. You know, I've got to meet so many people, explore so many ideas on this podcast, I really look at having a podcast as a gift. And I look at all the people in the Scaling Up Nation as a gift as well. If you find folks out there did not listen to this podcast, there would be no point to this podcast. And if you all did not allow me to explore different ideas, making sure that we're always expanding our minds, we're becoming better practitioners of what we do on our day-to-day, this show would be nothing. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all the content that you helped me with. Thank you for the feedback, all of that stuff. I hope that you all learned something new today and I hope you have a safe week. I'll talk with you next week on Scaling Up H2O. Scaling Up Nation, have you ever wondered if you are so stuck in your ways, you cannot learn a new way to do something? Well, I recently had a conversation with Rising Tide Mastermind member, Chuck Hamrick, and here's what he had to say. Well, because I'm an old timer and I've been doing the water treatment for 37 years, you know, I've got my own ways of doing things. But since I've learned a little more uh, things that are a little more techie now and 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 being able to uh, put my thoughts on the paper and to be able to clarify my thought of uh, speech to my employees, uh, one of the best examples would be with my son, Chase who will be taking over the business probably another five or six years. It's taught him what he needs to do to actually run a more effective and more uh, better run company. So it's it's helped tremendous and it's helped because we are a family owned business. So we got several members of our families in the business. It's actually brought more uh, closeness and understanding how we should work together as a team. Well, Nation, Chuck is an awesome member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. And I have to tell you, when Chuck speaks, there's always something profound that he says. He has helped so many people within the Rising Tide Mastermind. It's great to hear that he's received so much benefit as well. I want you to go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind so you can read more about what our group is and to see if this is the right group for you. If it is, hit apply and we can schedule a meeting where you can talk with me and we can talk about exactly what this group is and we can figure out what you are looking for. And if those two things are a match, well, you can be the next member in the Rising Tide Mastermind. Again, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.